have a seat. It's good to be with you today. Uh, next week, we are starting a new sermon series, a uh, new sermon series called Muted. Um, one of the things that you can do on Instagram to people that you don't like is you can mute them, right? No, you cannot do that to your spouses. Uh, you cannot do that to real people, but you can mute people on Instagram that you don't want to hear more from. And so this series is called Muted, a sermon series about why your friends don't want to be Christians. And we're going to kick that off talking about hell. So get excited. I imagine all three of us that are here next week will really enjoy it. And um, that'll be really great. Oh, Joe, thank you. Julia told you. Okay. Very good. Thank you. I'll hold it. Thank you, Julia. Um, so you know if you're regularly a part of Regen, and if you're not, here's what we feel like we are really passionate about. We feel like we are in really the very beginning stages of a three-year journey of giving everyone in our neighborhoods and networks an opportunity to see, hear, and respond to the good news of Jesus, right? We want to give everyone in our neighborhoods and networks an opportunity to see, hear, and respond to the good news of Jesus. So one of the steps we took in that vein this year was these bless groups. So we have one, two, three, four, five bless groups, I think, meeting throughout the week. And bless, it's, it's a simple book about a simple acronym, five basic practices that we can use to take a step in that direction together. Begin with prayer, praying for our neighbors and friends, listening to what they're saying, eating with them, serving them, and sharing our story with them. And we've really just loved hearing the wins coming out of the blessed groups that have been happening, just people getting this sense of, oh, I've kind of been doing this, and I just didn't know I was doing it. That's helpful. Um, some people saying, I'm actually realizing that I'm going to need to make a lifestyle change. Yes, I'm sorry to tell you that you cannot be an average Ohioan Midwesterner and a devoted disciple at the same time. It's a, it's a lifestyle change. And uh, some of you saying like, oh, I'm, I already know who I want to pray for and the time I'm going to do that. Some of you are experiencing a very unique approach we're taking to small groups, which is it's not about learning the thing and patting each other on the back, but it's about holding each other accountable. Yeah, so when are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? But we've just been really excited about it and so thankful. But that key piece of our vision to reach our neighborhoods is where we're going to kind of focus in on today as we end our series on show and tell. And I've asked a good friend of our, uh, I've asked good friends of ours, Eric and Amanda Marshall, to come lead that today. And I want to tell you a little bit about why. Um, it's really important to Steph and I that we aren't solely leading out of inter like intellectual capital, as in, I went and read a book about this and now here's how we do it. It's really important that it's something that is springing from our life. That's where spiritual capital, spiritual power comes from. And so we knew of nobody else better than Eric and Amanda to kind of give us a shape to this. Now, Eric and I met when we uh, met like five years ago and didn't really become friends until about three or four years ago. Uh, some of you know that we're in partnership with an organization called 3DM. It's a disciple-making model that we've been chasing after for a while. Uh, Eric and Amanda have been pursuing that too, and um, Eric's a great pastor, He uh, and we're glad to hear that a church in Detroit figured that out, and so they're uh, starting at a new ministry position here at the end of the month, soon to move up to what some of you call the state up north, I don't know why, uh, and 
is there a football thing there? Is that what it is? Okay, I know it is. I'm just trying to, okay. And, uh, but we're really excited to have them with us. So would you welcome Eric and Amanda Marshall with us today? Well, thanks for allowing us to come and share our hearts and our lives with all of you here today. Um, I've been a pastor for almost 15 years, so I've preached a lot of sermons. And this is the first time that we're preaching a sermon together, which is a long time coming because Amanda has always wished that she had a microphone of her own during my stories in my sermons actually happened as I was telling it in my in my sermons. And so we're uh, just blessed and excited to be here with you. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, to, to share with you here this morning about neighboring. Now, because I'm a pastor... Um, and we're a pastoral family, the assumption you might make, and you might have already said this to yourself in your own minds, well, okay, this is easy because they're a clergy family, a clergy couple or a pastoral family. They're in, you know, Eric went to seminary and, and all of this. And I want to tell you that reaching our neighbors was actually, has been maybe more difficult when we were in professional vocational ministry. In the course of our ministry, we've been devoted to the churches that we've been serving, shepherding them. Um, many, uh, uh, we jumped around a little bit and had different churches that we were serving. So there was a lot of relationship building, a lot of investing in these places. And so um, it took, because that was our focus, it was very difficult for us to engage our neighbors, let alone the awkwardness that comes up when you meet someone new in your neighborhood and they eventually ask, well, what do you do? And you say, I'm a pastor, and then things just get weird or they shut down. People are just not that natural when it comes to, to that. And so what we want to share is something that is practical and useful for everybody. And don't make the assumption that just because we're uh, in vocational ministry that it somehow became easy. In fact, you're, you're going to hear a lot of how we failed in our endeavor to reach our neighbors but this was something that God really put on our hearts because we had been in ministry and we had found this really lacking, not able to, to make connections with our, our neighbors. So we want to just share uh, out of our own story uh, and share with you some practical advice that hopefully is encouraging to you. Maybe some of these things you've already been doing um, and hopefully inspires you, um, all of you, that you have the light of Christ within you and within your lives, and people can see that. And the gospel can be known through you and through your life. So I want to start with a story about the Easter time of 2020. You guys remember that? Easter time of 2020 was a huge uh, time of change, disruption for all of us. And I don't know how it was here or you know, if you were in a different church setting or whatever, but churches were closing down their buildings for the, you know, for, for safety reasons, and, and our church was the same way, and of course, that was a really difficult season for people that are used to going to the same church every Sunday. It's part of their routine, and so I spent a lot of time shepherding people in that and ministering to people uh, in that, and, and in that time, we got an invitation that completely Threw us for a loop. It was just a complete surprise. And, and the invitation didn't come from any of our church members. The invitation came from our next door neighbor who invited us or asked us. Actually, her requests are more like demands, you know, that kind of person. Asked us 
to lead an Easter service for our neighborhood on our front lawn. Now, again, I'm a pastor, so some of you might be thinking, well, that's natural. He's the pastor, you know, people would just make that, that leap. But actually, what we want to share with you is that that invitation was the culmination of intentional relationship building uh, that happened in the years uh, prior, in the, in, the, in the years and weeks and months leading up to that time that they felt comfortable enough to, to ask us uh, to do that. What happened in us, the transformation that took place in us, started with a word you might be familiar with. I don't know if Pastor Kyle has talked about this, but it's the Greek word for family in the New Testament. The word is oikos. And a lot of times we, in our own minds, we think of family as our nuclear family, our kids, you know, our, our close relatives that we do life with, right? We live together, we eat together, all of our day-to-day -day routines have to do with our family. But what's really significant is that uh, not only Jesus in the way that he approached family, you know, that offensive line that he said, these are my mother and my brothers, those, that's not my mother and my, these are my mother and brothers that do the will of the Father. And then Paul plays off the same idea of we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And it wasn't just a way to address each other, it was actually how they lived. They lived as spiritual family. And so as we began to take that seriously, it began to really impact us in really uh, strong and, and, and powerful ways. You see this in the, when the early church broke out. Pentecost happened in, at the end of chapter 2 in the book of Acts. It says day by day they gather together, breaking the bread into prayer. Um, and, and so what we're talking about is really a, a lifestyle. Uh, what we're talking about is how... Um, God had impacted us really from the inside starting out and outward. And so that leads us to our first pillar that we want to share with you, and that is predictable patterns, predictable patterns. It's um, taking the things that we find most important and weaving them into the fabric and the day-to-day -day of, our, of our everyday living. Now, we do that, right? We do that with our close family members, whether it's dinner we all have rituals. We all have rhythms and patterns of our lives, and even probably rhythms and patterns that we don't recognize, we just do them. It just becomes part of the, the pattern of, of living. But when we began to understand that this is a lifestyle, that the gospel that people see and know is more caught than taught, that people would see the gospel through our living first and most powerfully more than any words or messages that we would give to our neighbors. It needed to start uh, with us. And so we began to look at our kids. Instead of outsourcing discipleship to our children and children's ministry in our church, we had a fabulous children's ministry in our church, we began to take on personal responsibility that we are the primary disciplers of our children. And so we did that through predictable patterns, weaving in intentional patterns and rhythms that not only en engage one another as a family spiritually, but help teach our kids. Yeah, so we hadn't, I previously hadn't like taken seriously the discipleship of our own children because we had been so involved with church. Um, we were kind of leaving it to, to the church, the sweet church ladies that were telling the kids, story, you know, going to Sunday school and so on. So once we started taking that more seriously, we're like, okay, well, what are some predictable patterns that we can create in our family? And as we were like brainstorming and talking about it, I had recalled 
when I was young, the family I grew up in um, did communion as a family. It was probably only like three times throughout my childhood, but I, I do remember very clearly sitting around, there were six of us sitting around the table, and my mom read a devotional, and my dad um, led us in communion. And it was just, it really stuck with me because it was like, that was when I realized um, that wasn't just in a church that you did that. You took it into your home, and um, it was just, I remember it being unique at the time, even at a young age. So I said, okay, why don't we do communion um, as a family and try that out? Um, And so we started doing that two and a half years ago, and we've been doing it ever since. Um, and now the way we kind of connected that to a weekly pattern that we do in our house we were doing previously um, was pizza night. We, the Marshalls love pizza. Every week we would have it. And so, okay, let's, let's do communion night on pizza night and bring it all together. And we would have grape juice and wine and bread and pizza. And it was just like a really enjoyable um, family tradition or ritual, um, predictable pattern that we decided to incorporate. Um, the um, some other things that we started doing, um, and this was a little bit more seasonal. Um, we have Advent candles. Uh, you know, Advent's coming up, so this might be something you want to think about. And we had a devotional that we'd go through. Um, our ten-year-old son was in the first service listening to this, but he uh, we got them involved. The children. Uh, we have a ten-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. Um, Asher, our son, would light the Advent candles. He was really excited to light candles and our daughter Josephine um, would blow them out at the end so they they were excited to participate in that way and um, after Christmas was over everyone was kind of sad that there was you know that not that light around the table that we shared and so we incorporated gratitude candles so we each had a votive at our seat that we would light every night at dinner and say something that we're grateful for and Asher would light them and Josie would blow them out and and everyone participated in some way. Um, Another seasonal thing that we did um, in summertime, we just go for walks as a family, especially during the pandemic. We were going for like two walks a day because that's all you could do. Um, But it was a great, it's a great way that we were meeting neighbors, um, but also just having really quality time as a family. And our kids expected it every night after dinner, um, that that was something that we would do. So the movement for that began with us internally, but then it began to move outward as we took on seriously this idea of spiritual family. It wasn't just going to be with our nuclear family. So as we began to take this seriously, it was almost as if God honored that decision. And unbeknownst to us, there was a young couple in our church that bought a house, a couple couple houses down on the other side of the street from us. And so instantaneously, they became part of our spiritual family and we could weave them into those regular routines and and patterns. Now, all of that really got disrupted during COVID, right? It wasn't a perfect uh, picture, but that was um, a a couple, a young family from our church that we felt completely comfortable to come and share this experience with, with our communion nights or whatever um, uh, dinner pattern or rhythm that we would do. Um, And it was as, as if God was reminding us, you don't have to do this alone. Um, I'm, we're going to give you some teammates, some partners in this ministry um, t- to to reach your neighborhood as well. 
something about that that I was just thinking about. I didn't share this in the first service. Um, when Eric, Eric kind of spearheaded the idea of inviting other people into that, because that's the point of it. You, you start modeling practices to bring other people into. And I remember Eric's like, let's invite the Purdy's over. And I kind of struggled with it as much as I let this internal family ritual that was so special to me and still is. But inviting other people into it, it felt like, oh, I have to, I don't know, kind of, um, we had to adapt and bring other people in. So it, it w I felt God challenging me in that, like, you're doing this to invite other people in, not be not so you can become more inward focused. Um, so that was something that um, I picked up along the way. But some just general application, um, finding patterns that already exist in your lives, and then how can you build off of those things? Like I said, for us, it was pizza every week, so let's just build off of that and make it um, more fun. Um, I know a lot of families are very busy. We are also one of those families. Um, so maybe you don't have dinner quite as regularly together as a family, but you're, if you're running to sports or school or whatever, can you um, have a, a devotional you read in the car together as a family? Just like looking to capitalize on those little pockets of time um, that you might have. Um, I, I firmly believe that if you ask God to reveal to you how you might be able to uh, weave those patterns into your life, that he will reveal those things to you. Um, and then I think the, the really important thing for us is that um, making these patterns simple and enjoyable so that they're sustainable. Um, uh, communion night has lasted two and a half years because uh, we love pizza and we, <laughs> we love having time as a family. And, it, and it's easy. It's not, um, you know, cumbersome or it feels like a discipline in any way. Um, it's very enjoyable. I was going to say, so after predictable patterns, um, obviously not everyone's going to be ready to come and have communion uh, in your neighborhood. And so we really began to think about our focus on engaging people, especially people that wouldn't naturally come to anything spiritual, let alone a church. Yeah, so we have quite an eclectic group on our street, um, and they, a, a lot of them not being ready to come to church. We have, um, uh, there's a Mormon family, there's a Jewish family. Um, there's a couple that, um, they're really fabulous. They were church, are not now. They've been living together for a very long time, raised their kids together, but they had met, um, in the workplace and had an, had an affair and that's how they met and came together and they have their own story. Um, we have another neighbor who's gay, another neighbor who, um, she, uh, went to a, like an evangelical mega church in Texas, um, but just kind of had some tough experiences there that have, has left her a little skeptical of church. Um, she's very, very spiritual and prayerful, but not ready for church. Um, so reaching people in the neighborhood is just so important because otherwise, <laughs> if we would have just stayed so inward focused on, on the congregation that we had, we would never know this amazing group um, of people and be able to minister to them. So um, engaging where they are rather than expecting them to come into a building is just so important. Yeah, and this isn't making up something new. This is actually the biblical model of reaching other people. When you think about Jesus' model, obviously he didn't even have a home. He met people where they were at. Think about the story of Zacchaeus, where he approaches Zacchaeus and says, I'm going to eat at your house. Now, that might sound rude to us today, but in that day, it was a high honor for someone like Zacchaeus to host someone like Jesus. 
Uh, you think about the Apostle Paul when he was doing his ministry, when he was in the city of Athens, he specifically went to the marketplaces. And so there are people, I know that you know that there are people around you, whether it's in your actual neighborhood or people that you interact with at work or through s school sports or whatever it might be, they have a lot of barriers and obstacles. They're not going to come to an in they're not going to respond to an invitation to come into this specific building so that they can hear the gospel or experience the love of the, of the church family. Uh, there are many steps ahead of that. And so instead, I, I think my posture has been, or many people in the church's posture has been, is uh, there are no steps. Just keep finding ways if you just like make the coffee better or you come up with other clever ways to entice them to come into the building. And really, those methods are falling flat. What people are looking for is for you to love them where they're at. And so we really um, began to take that seriously and then found that that is actually the biblical model for us. Um, so I want to tell you a story to kind of illustrate this. And this, this is my favorite story of, of the last four years that we've lived on this street. Um, so our street's really busy. It, it's... Um, it was an older street with some older folks that have, you know, either, you know, moved on in some way, and there's, like, lots of young families moving in, lots of turnover. Um, there's also several rentals on our street, so it's just um, a very busy area. And once I noticed that, I was like, okay, a great way to meet people. There's people moving in and out all the time, so a great way to meet people would be I will bake them cupcakes, and I will take them over and introduce myself, and I had done this um, multiple times and made connections and had some, you know, good pleasantry kind of conversations, but it didn't really go anywhere significant. Um, before I continue, I, I d it's important for me to tell you that I'm an introvert. Um, I am not some kind of like crazy outgoing person that's like, what's the Ned Flanders from the Simpsons that are like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, like I'm not naturally that kind of person. I feel like this is something that God has developed in me over time. Um, but, so I love people, but I have my limits, and I definitely have my off days. Um, and at this particular time, I was having some off weeks. I was just really, um, actually, I was wrestling with some depression at the time, to be honest, and I just did not really want to engage with people. Um, but at that time, there was a family that moved in down the street. Um, we found out that they um, had just moved here from South Korea. Um, they were a military family that had left, and they were going to settle down on our street. And it had been on my heart and my mind to, to bake them cupcakes and take them down. But like I said, um, I didn't feel like it. And I was tired. I have young kids, and I, you know, I had every excuse in the book. Like, they probably won't even care anyway. They, they won't know the difference if I don't take them anything. Um, but it was still on my mind. And I was at church that morning for a Bible study. It was like a Thursday. And our church gets day-old Panera bread donated to them. Um, so there was like a table out, you know, get a snack before Bible study, like bagels and broken cookies. And I um, spotted this loaf of tomato basil bread. And I'm like, oh, that'll do. And um, I grabbed it and took it home and wrapped it up. And I put a note on it that said, you know, welcome. We're the marshals. Gave them our cell phone numbers in case they needed anything. And 
was getting ready to walk it down to their house. I'm glad you liked it. I worked really hard on it. <laughs> um, I didn't say that. I, w- I didn't want to lie about it. But I'm like, great. <laughs> um, but then when we were out trick-or-treating, like right before they were leaving, um, he's like, no, really, that meant more to us than you'll ever know. And I, it just really impacted me. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know um, what that means to them exactly. Like, I know they moved around a lot, around the world, lots of different communities, and maybe we were the first family that reached out to them. I don't know. Um, but it was impactful for them and impactful for me, uh, our family as well. And we still get Christmas cards from them from South Korea for the last two years because it was that much of a impact. Yeah, so when you're thinking about engaging people, there's so much intimidation that's associated with that. But we just want to encourage you, you never know what the Lord will do with day-old bread from Panera. The little bit that we have, God takes that and does something really amazing and beautiful with it. So let that encourage you. And so with, and with that encouragement, uh, find uh, some, some helpful tips. Find where you engage people. Like there's a park down the street for us um, that we, we would go to. Dog walking. We noticed there are a lot of dogs in the neighborhood, so we would take our dog out and you, uh, you may notice this if you're a dog person. Dog people just talk to each other. Like they interact with the dog. They say hi to the dog first, and then it sparks a conversation. It, it's, all, it's taking the things that are easy, natural for you, and you'll find that other people have those commonalities. So this isn't, isn't all of a sudden becoming some grand you know, worldwide evangelist and having even the spiritual giftedness of evangelism. It's just finding what you have and what's what you love and finding other people that love those same things uh, as well. It, it really, we have found, it, it turns out to be much more organic and natural than, um, than, when, we first, um, than when we first thought. Something important um, Eric mentioned was that um, making observations, or you know, we noticed we're a dog walking neighborhood. Um, it's really important, um, I'm gonna tell you another quick story to, to illustrate this. Um, it's important to know to know your neighbors and make those observations so that you can um, build off of them. Um, down the street, um, there's this lovely woman named Linda, and she's a she's a widow. She um, her teenage slash adult ish daughter lives with her, um, and the daughter has cystic fibrosis, and she's just been very ill and so on. And so, as you can imagine, with COVID, you know, being a virus, like just the airborne nature, she's just very vulnerable, and that's the point. Um, at the end of 2019, we had had a Christmas party in one of our neighbors that we had a relationship with and said, hey, can we bring Linda? And I'm like, yeah, bring Linda. So we met her and um, started that relationship at the end of 2019. And so when the pandemic rolled around, it was just this really important timing that that I noticed. Um, um, And I'll explain why. Uh, Linda and I we're texting um, as the pandemic hit. She's like, hey, can I borrow some eggs? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I walked them down to her and we were chit-chatting. And she said, um, you know, she's having a tough time getting groceries because all of the grocery ordering and delivery wait list was like two weeks out. And she's like, I can't go to the grocery store. Callie is way too vulnerable. Like they were like extra locked down. And I'm just like, Linda, I'm still going every week. You know, I just mask up and whatever wear wear my gloves and I'm I'm going to the store and I'm like I'm happy to get you groceries. It worked out that she's a bit of a germaphobe 
germaphobe as well. Yeah, so. Put on my hazmat suit. Um, yeah. But I'm like, let me pick up your groceries. And of course she fought me on it. She's like, no, I don't want to inconvenience you or whatever. And I'm like, it's not. Like, I, it's no big deal. And so I ended up doing this for at least two months. Um, I just go to make my Aldi run, drop stuff off at her house, and, and drive five, five houses down, and I'd be home. And it was just no inconvenience, but it blessed her so much. It made a huge difference, and um, that was really important. So the point being that, like, you have to know your neighbors to be able to fill the gaps for them. Um, and so many times we hear about people in, like, difficult situations, and we're like, oh, I'll pray for you. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help, which are nice things to say. But how often does someone actually take you up on it? You know, she's not going to come out and say, I, I need you to grocery shop for me on a weekly basis for two months. You know, that's a big request. But because I knew her issue, I saw where I could help, and I specifically volunteered to do it for her, um, I was able – I was – able to be more effective in a specific way in because she would have never asked me to do that so that's my advice is to to make observations and then get specific so after you've kind of worked on your own uh, lifestyle and uh, then thought about engaging other people um, there are going to be some people that really take to it and some people that won't take to it we have plenty of fail failure stories uh, associated with this that you'll hear in, in, in just a minute but this is a kind of a model, a strategy that was uh, taught to us called people of peace. And people of peace strategy comes from Luke chapter 10 when Jesus does this training exercise with the 72. And he sends them out and he says, when you get to a home, uh, shout out to them, peace to this house. And if they return peace, it says to go and stay with them for a while. Um, but if they don't, shake the dust off your feet. And the thing that really impacted me about that, because I love, you know, I'm a pastor. I love that everyone, I want everyone to love me. I want everyone to accept me. So this was really hard. But the people of peace strategy helped me release the people where it just wasn't happening. I had to understand that maybe there were other people that God had in mind to send to them. Because really, I'm, we're, we're sharing the gospel through our own story, through our own lives. And that makes it unique. And it's going to stick with some people, and for some people, it's not. And so uh, releasing that burden and that responsibility, and then also investing in the people that were really beginning to take to it, beginning to really invest in us. Um, and you could see uh, these people, uh, when they begin to take to it, there becomes a, sort of a mutuality or a reciprocity that happens. People begin to do things for us. So I'm not very handy, um, so we have one guy that's really handy. He'd come and fix stuff in our house, and I w um, had no hesitation in asking for help. In fact, I, I heard one person talk about this and say that intentionally would go and ask someone for milk or eggs or something just so that they could, could interact. But the, the point is, is that it's okay to be needy. It's okay to let your guard down, to be vulnerable a little bit, because then people understand that they're not just a project for you in your church evangelism efforts that you actually want a relationship, that you're actually being a real person, and there, there's reciprocity or mutuality involved in that. So my people of peace story, um, this was, again, coming out of the, well, it was still the pandemic, but it was warm out, because I remember it was going to be an outside event, so I don't know if it was like May or June or whatever, but um, we have a, 
a neighborhood Facebook page that some of us were really active on and kind of got to know each other a little bit even more so through um, and there were some people on board with having a book club and I'm like all right I'm gonna take this to the next level um, and uh, there were three women that were like yeah let's let's go ahead and I was in charge of picking the book so I was like obsessively trying to p find the perfect thing that wasn't overtly spiritual but like in-depth and so I found this really great book um, it was an Enneagram book, personality book, um, and um, I distracted myself with that because I was excited about how much, how I found the perfect book, but um, so it was game day. They were supposed to show up. We were going to be on, be on our deck, socially distanced, the whole, whole, whole thing, um, and one person canceled because of work. Um, the next person ghosted me completely, didn't respond, and hasn't since 2020 um just totally i don't know what happened but um haven't talked to her since and the third person came um that was aaron um we met her through dog walking she has two lovely french bulldogs that i love and um we just really bonded starting with that and um she came and i was really disappointed that it was just her because i'm like oh i failed they didn't show up, what did I do wrong, kind of things like that. Um, but Aaron and I sat there and hung out for two hours and had lots of amazing conversations we wouldn't have had otherwise um, if the other people were there. We talked, you know, faith, the neighborhood, reading the Bible, our church backgrounds. Um, and it was just, you know, I, I felt God comforting me afterwards, like this was a deeper, this was a deepening of the relationship you wouldn't have been able to have. Um, and so just from that, I took that it's going to be trial and error, and there's no perfect process for all of this and, or formula, and you kind of just have to calibrate with each, each situation and each person um, and being able to read, read people on that. Um, and then the last thing that I, I feel like I took from that specific situation was that um, not everyone who is friendly is going to necessarily be a person of peace. Um, we met lots of really nice people, but they were not ready to take next level conversations and go anywhere beyond um, shooting the breeze, talking about the weather or dogs or whatever. Um, but there were some that really did take to that and wanted and wanted more. And you could see those relationships, um, that interest, and it really developed. Yeah. So it, as you're noticing that some things will get awkward, things just shut down. Um, I would invite you also not to just shut down something forever and just say, you know, write them off completely because sometimes it could just be a not yet. You know, they're not ready for this. Um, some people that are ready for it, they realize like, oh, you're deepening spiritually and then they, you know, one of their obstacles comes up. You have to really, this is a, a journey that you're inviting people in on. And so sometimes there's a, a right timing uh, for that. And so hopefully you could hear, uh, we have so many other failure stories, guys. We could just go on and on about what went wrong, how things were awkward and all of that. And so the, the, the gist of what we want to communicate to you this morning, and uh, Pastor Kyle said this earlier in the, in the earlier service, but what, what God is asking for is not to be a perfect witness, but to be a living witness. And that God can take, even if you feel like you have a long way to go in your walk with Jesus, God can take that and take that authentic um, journey that you are on and do something amazing and speak to other people um, about that. 
we're called to, not called to be perfect witnesses, but to be living witnesses. And God's grace is just there for us. And so um, when we saw, uh, when we had that Easter service, we had 25 people come out. And it was not anything big. You know, I, I, I knew people from different backgrounds. I didn't even know if we should sing or pick songs because different people have different traditions and, and that kind of thing. So it was very short. Um, it wasn't, you know, anything glamorous or anything like that, but it was real. And it was the culmination of that relationship building that took place. And, and so we just want to encourage you that you have a story to tell, that the light of Christ is in you and in your life, even if you feel like it's not sometimes, and that God really desires to let that light shine in whatever capacity to the people that are around you. Maybe it's a neighborhood that God has laid on your heart um, to, to reach. Maybe it's uh, a network of people. I know we use that language, neighborhoods or networks. Um, maybe it's school sports or maybe it's your workplace. Um, God has already been speaking and reaching those people. So it's really just a matter of joining what God is already doing. And so we'd just like to close with an encouraging scripture uh, from the message version, uh, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. I actually thought of something as you were talking. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're in ad lib time now, guys. <laughs> I won't go on and on or anything, but I was sitting thinking about um, – I, I pray and hope that we have impacted our neighbors. I believe that we have very much because several of them have reached out to us. And like, you know, it's very sad that we're, we're moving out of state and um, like want to have a going away party and all this other stuff. But I was reflecting on how much it has impacted us and changed us. Um, we So we're looking um, for houses in Detroit right now and like – even beyond having all the amenities of the house that we want, we are looking at the neighborhoods. Um, we're like prayer. We are praying for our future neighbors um, and putting us on the right street. Like it's kind of funny. Our realtor sending us all these like fine homes, but we are looking at this through a whole different lens now. We're like God. God's gonna put us somewhere very specific to expand this ministry and do more things, and it's just changed how we evaluate life in so many ways and um so i like i'm encouraging you to pray for your op pray for opportunities pray for your current neighbors or future neighbors or maybe like i grew up in the country i didn't have neighbors so that wasn't like a thing for me um but there could have been plenty of other ways of of, of a network to reach out to so um praying for them and and asking god to reveal new things that was another really big thing that we did. We did prayer walks and asked God to open our eyes to things we didn't notice about our neighbors before or the neighborhood before. And he definitely showed up and um, revealed those things to us. But getting back to the scripture I was supposed to read, um, this is Jesus talking in Matthew 5, and um, this is the message version. I was reading it the other day, and I thought it would be really fitting for this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. 
By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Here at Regen, you know, we do response time. So we don't just want to hear the word of God, but we want to be transformed by it. And um, about one of the key points that um, Eric and Amanda talked about when they talked about predictable patterns is what is happening in your life? What are the things that you're already doing, the patterns that you already have that maybe you can make even more intentional, that you can use, um, that the Father can use to reach the people in your life? So I just want to invite you during this time um, just to see how is God getting your attention? Is he asking you to maybe um, have a predictable pattern that maybe needs infused, maybe something a little bit more that will bring your your um, immediate family and, and extended family um, to really be thinking about him? Or is it being intentional about engaging with your neighbors? Um, or maybe it's people of peace. So let's just take a moment and, and ask the Father um, how he's getting our attention this morning. Of a simple act of obedience. We ask these things in 